Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be hearing from Dr. David Lowry. Dr. Lowry is the senior pastor at First Baptist Church, Decatur. With more than 37 years of pastoral experience, he has served churches in the Dallas area, Wisconsin, Canyon, and most recently, El Paso. Dr. Lowry is the past president of the Baptist General Convention of Texas and is serving his second term on the board of trustees at Howard Payne University. He holds a BA from Baylor University, a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Theological Seminary, and a Doctor of Divinity from Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Without further ado, Dr. David Lowry. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Thank you guys for staying awake. I'll just say that in advance. That material is really dated. I've been married 41 years now. I've been a pastor for 41 years. Uh, Let's see. I'm on my third term on the Board of Trustees at Howard Payne. I'm getting really old. In fact, I couldn't speak at Criswell College without telling a W.A. Criswell story. Okay, now here's the, now you know I'm really old because I've met Dr. Criswell, but he uh, he was my dad's hero. And and, uh, since he's my dad's hero, obviously one of my heroes, but probably without doubt, the most significant thing that Dr. Criswell ever did for me personally was uh, a number of years ago over at the old campus in the old auditorium. It was a Sunday night and he was preaching and my wife Robin was sitting up in the balcony. Now Robin grew up in East Dallas. She went to Skyline High School. She uh, grew up in a little Methodist church. She heard about Jesus, but she she didn't know Jesus. So she's sitting in the balcony, Dr. Crystal's preaching and she shares that she remembers the very moment that the Holy Spirit got a hold of her heart. And Dr. Criswell offered the invitation. And she says she got up from the balcony, she ran down the stairs, got to the front as quickly as she possibly could, and prayed and accepted Christ as her Savior. Well then, she's gonna be baptized, right? Now, First Baptist Dallas was probably one of the largest churches in the world in those days. Now this is, you know, long before mega churches were such a common uh, phenomenon. And if you've ever been around a mega church pastor, you know that um, <clears throat> their schedule's incredibly busy and oftentimes they're handled. You know, like they don't really mess with normal common everyday people. They're so busy, they're almost celebrities. And I think that's to a fault. And uh, Dr. Criswell, is in those days would meet in person with every single person he baptized. So Robin is like a 15-year-old teenage girl from East Dallas from a low-income family 
Her parents worked at the AT&T building just in your neighborhood. He spent 15 minutes with her, getting to know her, making sure that she knew the Lord as her Savior, explaining to her what it meant to be baptized and that he'd have the honor of baptizing her. And that's a moment in her life that she's never forgotten. Those of us that are called to ministry never underestimate the significance of letting somebody know how incredibly important they are. Because frankly, if Jesus died for all of us, then there's not anybody that's under your watch that's not important. And so Dr. Criswell demonstrated that to her, and that was a huge gift to me personally. Okay, so to the message. They told me I only had 20 minutes. I think I used about five. So we'll have to go really fast. So did you get up early this morning? Uh, my, yesterday, my uh, daughter Jamie and her husband uh, Jordan had their first baby boy yesterday in Brownwood, Texas. And so I got up at 5.20 this morning in Brownwood, Texas to be in downtown Dallas this morning. That wasn't the plan because my grandson David was supposed to be born last week, but he decided to, to sort of enjoy this comfort of his mother's womb till yesterday. So anyway, so I got up really, really early this morning, but I, when I got up, Jesus was already up. You know, Jesus is an early riser. Those of you that are uh, student ministers, you probably have taught your students about quiet time, right? And if you've ever taught them about quiet time, more than likely, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 is your go-to text. So if you have a Bible, go to Mark chapter 1. And in verse 35, it says, and, very, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, without doubt, Spending time alone with God is one of the most incredible opportunities. And in, if you're going to be a spiritual leader, disciplines that you must develop. Now, one of the things about this text is you often need to put a text in context, right? So what was going on in the life of Jesus that particular morning that would cause him to get up that early. So I'll just catch you up to speed. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is initiating the advance of the kingdom of God. You know he's been down with John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been arrested. So things are pretty crazy. Jesus goes back to Galilee. He begins to call his first disciples. You remember he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. On the first Shortly after that, on the Sabbath, where was Jesus on the Sabbath? He was in the house of God. He was in, the house, in a synagogue. And so that Sabbath, the day before this prayer, this quiet time, he's in the synagogue and he preaches with great authority. And you remember there happened to be a man in the service that was demon-possessed or had an unclean spirit. Now, as I was teaching on that recently, I, I reminded my church that that was a synagogue and when we get together as the church, any demon would be crazy to get among us because the presence of God is with us. Jesus is with us every time we gather. But on that day, this guy was in the synagogue. I don't know if, Jesus, if this, the demon-possessed man knew Jesus was showing up, 
But when Jesus showed up, he knew he was in big trouble. Jesus cast the demon out. Well, then word spreads in, the, in, in Capernaum. And so if you look in verse 33, that evening, since it was the Sabbath day, they waited till the sun went down. They go searching for Jesus, and it says in verse 33, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. So Jesus has had an incredibly effective Sabbath. This village is, is electrified with his presence. That night, they brought people to the point that the whole city was at the door. And let me pose this question. Those of us that are gonna be in ministry, which is gonna be the greatest threat to your spiritual effectiveness? Facing the pressure to perform, the stress of leadership, our success and popularity? That sounds like a strange question. Obviously stress and the pressure would be the most significant threat. But sadly, success and popularity can become toxic. Did you notice the whole city, the whole city's at the door. Now Jesus has already called some disciples and we're gonna see them in action in the story. And so the next morning, before the sun comes up, Jesus is seeking the face of his father. Those of us that do ministry on Sunday mornings, preaching, teaching, working with students, do you know what it feels like on Monday morning? You feel like a train ran over you. you have, you've had an adrenaline rush on Sunday and your physical body is exhausted from all that you've done. Jesus was every bit as human as we are, so I assumed that that morning, after a long night of ministry, his body was tired. But he still got up because there was something more important that day than getting a full night's sleep. And so he goes out and you'll notice that he, in verse 35, that he goes to a solitary place and he prays. For many of us, we don't get nearly enough solitude and silence. And one of the reasons is these little guys that we carry around with us, right? Even when we're alone, we plug in our ears and we're constantly surrounded by music, podcasts, sermons. I'm not against sermons and those kind of things, but there is a place for silence, being quiet before the Lord. Jesus had to get out of the town early when nobody was up for silence. But you see, the strange thing about silence, that when you're silent in the presence of God, it's not really silent. Remember the Old Testament talks about that God speaks in a still, small voice. Some of us have a hard time hearing the voice of God because there's way too much noise in our lives. So Jesus calmed himself, he centered himself, and then said he prayed. Now we're gonna see in a moment that when Jesus prayed, he probably wasn't doing all the talking. If you think about prayer as communion or connection with God, if you're in a, solid, in a place of solitude and silence, then you give the Lord, I would hope you give a, the Lord a chance through his spirit to communicate to you. 
And so Jesus is alone and he's praying. Now, I mentioned he had some disciples by this point. Uh, those of us that are leaders, sometimes the people you disciple can become part of your problem. So notice what happens in verse 38. It says, and Simon and those who were with him, they searched for him. Now, Simon was a fisherman by trade. He'd been called to be a disciple. He's from this little community. I suspect most of his friends thought he had lost his mind when he left his day job to follow Jesus. Jesus was this backwoods rabbi from the middle of nowhere, and Peter let, Simon left his calling to follow this crazy man. Well, then the next thing you know, after that Sabbath day, everybody thinks Simon is the smartest man in town because he's aligned himself with Jesus. And so he's thinking, boy, are we going to have a good day tomorrow? And so he gets up, Jesus is missing, they go searching for Jesus, and notice what he says to Jesus when he finds him. Everyone is looking for you. Sort of let that sort of settle on you. Everyone is looking for you. Remember I talked about success and popularity. What do you do when everybody's looking for you? I mean, that's a pretty powerful position to be in. The whole city's at the door. I mean, logic would say Jesus shouldn't be out in the middle of nowhere. He ought to be right in the middle of where everything's happening because why? Everyone's looking for you. Of all the stories that Mark could have told about Jesus in chapter one, isn't it interesting he picked this story? as one of them. Everyone's looking for you. Verse 38, and he said to them, this is Jesus. Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. And this is ESV translation. translation. That is why I came out. The word why is that we sort of snuck that word in there because it, it sort of helps us to understand what Jesus was saying, but essentially he said, the reason we need to go do those things, it's for this purpose I came. If you neglect your time with God and you get so caught up in all the voices around you you might find yourself actually doing what everybody else wants you to do and miss the purpose that God has for you. This is why I came. Isn't it interesting that in solitude, Jesus moved from what I'm supposed to do to why? The only one that can really answer the why question for those of us called is who? the one who created us. He's the one that knows why we're here, why he created us, the purpose for which he's called us, the mission and opportunities before us. And so Jesus, in that moment when Peter or Simon says, let's get back to town because everybody's looking for you, he says, no, not today. Because that's not why I came. We need to get on about the kingdom business. And he left everyone, in a sense, to reach out to everyone. So what about you?
Why do you do what you do? Which are the voices that determine how you spend your life, your energy, your time? Is it the voices of others? I'm, a, I'm gosh, I've been in ministry 41 years. My first few years of ministry, I'll be honest, I was the ultimate people pleaser. Man, I wanted to make my church people happy. That's a terrible job description and it's almost impossible to do. And even if you're good at it, you'll be miserable on the inside. So you can listen to the voices around you. Some of us, the bigger voice that we have to wrestle with is our own voice. Some of you have ambition and drive and aspirations and you've decided God's will for your life. Well, if that's the voice that's dictating your future, you're also in trouble. You need to seek the voice, the one voice, who can answer why and can draw and direct your steps to accomplish that which he sent you to do. You're gonna figure out rather quickly that you're gonna be, you'll have the most significant influence when you tap into what God's doing and you stop relying on what you can do. Jesus knew that. So when it was early in the morning, there was only one face he was gonna seek, and that was the face of his Father. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for Jesus' example. Lord, in this room are your sons and daughters. You've called them, you've saved them, you've equipped them. They're in school right now to, to fulfill the purposes you have for their lives. And Lord, it's our prayer, my prayer for them, that they would learn from your example. And that every one of them would build into the rhythms of their lives. Solitude, silence, and seeking your voice. And that when you speak, their answer is yes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.